0: What time is it? Game time! Woodford for for the win! Yes! Yes! Here's it to Jenkins for the championship!
1: Ah! Davis! Oh my god! Davis is going to run it all the way back!
0: Auburn's going to win the football game! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Game Time with myself, Garrison Hardy, and my co-host, as always, Garrett Big Pin, Garrett it's good to be back with you for yet another week of college football coverage it's great to be back uh we got uh I think a better
1: slate of games last weekend than we expected and I think we're expecting uh one of the best weekends of the year this week coming up so uh yeah definitely a, a good
0: week to be a college football fan Yes, indeed. You and I were kind of talking off the air about last week, actually. And we were saying, well, there's no ranked matchups. But uh, this week, week three, or the last week, week three, really showed how much parity there is in college football this year. And it's just such a good thing for the sport. And there were some scares for some of the ranked teams. And uh, overall, very entertaining week. And folks, we got a ton to talk about, so let's just get right into it. We're going to react to week three and also the look ahead to week four. And before we do, I just want to remind you all that we could use your support with regards to leaving a review for us on Apple, on iTunes, on Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Those are the four platforms we're currently available on, more to come. And hey, we're also on social media now. we got a Facebook page. And if you could go over there, give us a like. We'll we'll be posting throughout on that. We're going to get a Twitter page going. Just a lot of big stuff here with game time, uh, and you don't want to miss it. So, with all that being said, let's get into this. Looking back to week three, and Garrett, as I mentioned, just a lot of surprises to say the least and a lot of close matchups where maybe we weren't expecting it some of the top the cream of the crop teams struggled to get things going and let's start with florida state i mean florida state we saw them in week one they just looked like hey that's a national championship team right there and then they decide but you know what let's go barely eke out a win against boston college i mean what the heck is going on with the Knowles? Yeah, I mean, they were favored by
1: 24 and a half, I believe. And uh, I mean, yeah, no one really saw that coming. I mean, they they started off the game really strong. Uh, they were up 31 to 10 at halftime. And uh, they carried that lead actually, or carried that lead late into the third. They were up 31 to 10. right? And then Boston College went on a run towards the end of the game. And Florida State kind of got lucky. I mean, they scored three touchdowns, which normally would have tied it up, but they missed an extra point. And then they had to go for two, which they didn't get, and so they, they really got like saved by a missed extra point, or they, they could have been looking at overtime. So, um, and and they got outgained on the uh, on the game four fifty seven to three forty. Um, yeah, not not a good game for Florida State. One for nine on third down. Um, you know, Boston College had eighteen penalties for one hundred and thirty yards, which was really the right. Really did them in, and really ended their comeback too. Ended the game uh, with a, a game-ending penalty. So uh, I think Florida State's lucky to survive this one. Mm-hmm. BC definitely could have won it. Um, and yeah, not not a good showing after what they they showed against LSU. I mean, I think people coming into this game, given what they did against LSU, uh, a, a dominating win, and people were confidently putting Florida State in their top four saying, all right, they've proved that they're one of the best teams in the country. And I think people were, uh, like I guess I'm feeling pretty confident about them. And then to throw this game out there, it's, it's uh, they're back in with uh, it kind of throws them back in with some of the 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 outside teams looking in on whether or not they're actually one of the best teams in the country. So, right. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know what to make of it e- every year. It seems a lot of these teams have scares and mm-hmm. we start questioning them but that they turn it around. Georgia last year had a, a really close game against Missouri where people were thinking that, uh, you know, Missouri a heavily favored game, which they barely won. Uh, and then they went on to go undefeated, win the national championship. And people talk about how they're just the greatest team in football, not even close. And so right. um, these games don't always, you know, they don't always, uh, are they're not always indicative of, how the team's going to play throughout the rest of the season. Right. Um, personally, I, I think that it, Florida state is still a, uh, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, I'll, I would probably keep them in the top four still. I think it's just one of those things that it, it could be a trap game going into the Clemson one next week. So, right. Um, it, it's definitely a cause for concern a little bit, but
0: I don't think that it's going to, it doesn't really hurt my confidence too much in Florida state. Right. And I I would I would line up with you as well on that in that I would I would keep Florida State where they are ranking wise. I still think they're an elite team. But You brought up Georgia and whatnot. Georgia, to me, is a team that even, and we'll talk about them here in a a little bit, but even in games where things aren't going well early on, you just know that Kirby Smart and his staff and the players are going to respond, and they're going to come back and assert their dominance, and that's exactly what we saw this last weekend. Whereas with... Teams like Texas, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Teams like, you know, Florida State, I don't think they've earned that yet. So for me, if I'm a Florida State fan, I'm cautiously optimistic looking ahead. You know, I still think we're in good shape. I still think, you, you know, it, I think early tests like this for a team are okay. You would rather find out about your weaknesses when you're tied up at, in the harbor, so early on in the season, as opposed to mm-hmm. way down the road went oh we're taking right. on water here and the season's coming it it's starting to get real important here we, we got you know, to right, figure right. this thing out so you know for me Florida State it, they it, they were probably like you said looking ahead at this upcoming Clemson game uh, trip to Death Valley we'll be talking about that further on in the show stay tuned but yeah, um, yeah, just they did not look good. I mean, offensively. It, it was just a mess. Jordan Travis, a guy who looked like in a you know, an NFL prospect, he he went sixteen to twenty-four for 2-12, two TDs. He didn't make a ton of mistakes, but he certainly wasn't beating anybody with those kind of numbers. Um his receiving core, uh, we we there was no signing of Megatron <laughs> from uh <laughs> the week before. Johnny Wilson, you know, he still showed up. Um, over 100 yards receiving and whatnot, uh, and I, I would also say I was kind of disappointed in Florida State's defense too. Uh, the The defense that shut down a impressive LSU offense, which went off this week, they just didn't they didn't keep the pedal to the metal in my book and you know let's not forget these are college kids it's it's hard to keep them focused i think for an entire season and whatnot they've got schoolwork, they've got personal lives outside of football so that there's going to be lapses it's just the more disciplined teams and the more well coached teams that can come out of shakes like this so at the end of the day right. for this one florida state kids should it, florida state fans should be happy it's like you know what this was an ugly game but we won at the end of the day and we're right. moving on so yeah uh, and um
1: yeah it's, it's a little bit interesting uh comparing this to typically when you see these kind of games you're it's usually uh the team starts out slow and then right. they rally at halftime or they rally late to come back and survive. It's not usual that you see games like this where you get a huge lead and then the underdog comes back and storms back in the fourth quarter and almost mm-hmm. wins it. Um, I, th- I feel like it's, it's a little more promising when you have a comeback win like that. Like, all right, we started slow, but we able, you know, we're able to find our way through the game and and get the win when you, when you almost choke a game away like this. Then you ca- you're you're carrying that momentum into the next game as opposed to your you know the upswing of a comeback so right well it'll be interesting to see how they start the game against Clemson see if they carry that momentum in because I mean they, they ended that game really poorly uh against mm-hmm. against Boston College again I mean they they were gonna have to punt the ball back to them late in the game and Boston College had a chance but they got, they got bailed out by a face mask penalty right um to keep their drive going in in the game so uh, yeah, we'll see how they do. Shout out to uh Boston College's quarterback though. Um uh, mm, right. Thomas Castellanos. I mean, he had an incredible game. Three hundred yards through the air, ninety-five yards on the ground. Um I mean, he was willing them to through that comeback and uh he, he played great. I think if they had cut down on the penalties again, they they, they probably could have pulled it off, but um yeah, just uh, cautiously optimistic for Florida State going forward. Again, I still think that I would put them in my top four given, uh, you know, they survived. They do have a win over LSU. Um, and overall, I think they're still a really good team.
0: So, Right. Um, but definitely a little bit concerning the way they ended that game definitely and uh, you mentioned castellanos uh he's only a sophomore so maybe uh he, we see him in the transfer portal yet again in this new era of college right, football after right. that but you're you're being scouted year-round now and that, that's <clears> just <throat> such an interesting time but i digress uh moving on the alabama crimson tide 17 to 3 over usf and uh, Gosh, I tell you, there, this there is a tense feeling down in Alabama right now. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. the The offense hasn't really looked good back to back weeks. Uh, the, you know, uh, the quarterback Jalen Milroe will be back under center this upcoming week against yeah. Ole Miss, but it just in the defense, they played pretty darn well against USF. So let's be clear there, but. That was probably the worst Alabama game that I have seen in some time. I mean, Ty Simpson yeah. was the leading passer with 73 yards. Alabama as a whole had 107 yards in total passing. Uh, who's who's even the other quarterback that they started in this game? I, I honestly can't even remember his name. Uh, Tyler Buckner, Buckner. the, uh, the uh, Notre Dame transfer. Well, he's clearly not the answer. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and by the way this notre dame team we'll talk about them in a little bit they they look different without buckner so sorry buckner but in any case just an abysmal overall performance and you know there there were according to some rumors that i had heard Milroe was actually suspended for this game so you know, really there, there's the there's rumors floating around the alabama camp that milro was suspended and interesting i hadn't it, heard that yeah i i i heard that after the fact and, you know i was thinking well maybe nicks just trying to figure out you know who, who's right. going to be the best guy to lead this offense and it clearly wasn't you know simpson had some promising moments but it, it just overall an ugly day for that for that team and you know the it's, it was just kind of concerning the body language of the Crimson Tide just was off. There's just... Mm-hmm. I've never seen an, an Alabama team kind of look this unenthused to go out and dominate a game. The offensive line, for me, their offensive line has probably been one of the more disappointing squads that I've seen this year just because of all the talent they have on that line. And that's got to be their yeah. calling card this year. They've got to go out and dominate with the offensive line. Jalen Milrow, he's going to you know, do some nice things through the air, but he's, he's not, he's going to be more of a running quarterback and you're going to have to rely on the run game, which by the way, thank goodness for Roy Dell Williams running the ball for 129 yards and a touchdown. That's on it. probably what won them the game and the defense showed up, but that's not always going to save you when you run into say a Texas, which can beat you through the air and whatnot and, and line up with you and go toe to toe with you and, and push back. So, Man, I just it, we'll talk about the Old Miss game coming up, but it the idea of Bama losing two games to start the season. We're not even out of September, Garrett. Like that this is unheard I know, of. I know.
1: Yeah, I mean Yeah, I I think that you know, prior to you saying that about him possibly being spent, I think, you know, most people are thinking that Alabama probably thought this was going to be an easy game and coming into the season they had a three-way battle. We've only seen Milro so far and I figured they probably just decided they'll give their other two quarterbacks a shot this game and an easy win to, uh, to see if maybe, uh, one of them could give him a better shot. Cause I mean, I think Milro played, he played okay, uh, against Texas. Uh, he was great through the, on the ground, which we kind of knew was his, uh, his specialty I guess but right. he, he didn't look too bad throwing the ball he had good moments mm-hmm. but obviously it just wasn't enough against a good Texas defense and I think that's the problem with Alabama is when they run up against these defenses like if they eventually you know if they actually do want to compete for even just an SEC championship um they're going to have to go against a team like Georgia's defense I don't know how they move the ball uh when you're only I mean they've they've shown throughout the year that their offense is struggling. Their offensive line was supposed to be one of the best in the country coming into the year, and I think they're worse than the FBS and sack rate. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and this will be a good test going up against Ole Miss, a good SEC defense uh, this next week. So I guess we'll see if they can actually bounce back. But right now, um, the offense just isn't good enough to get it done, especially against some of the these SEC defenses they're going to have to go against. Um, Milroy will be back next week. Uh, so I guess they'll, you know, like you said, their quarterback experiment this week did not pan out. So, but with Milro, I don't know, even with, you know, I think he's the best of the three, but right. I don't think he's going to be able to get it done um, enough to where uh, they're going to be able to compete for, uh,
0: you know, definitely not the playoffs, but even just an SEC championship. I don't, I don't know how they get it done offensively. Right. Yeah. yeah. So some troubling times down in Tuscaloosa currently. And speaking of one of those SEC defenses that they're going to run into down the road, number one, Georgia looked a little shaky, but got the job done against South Carolina at home 24-14. to Man, Garrett, that, that first half was rough, to say the least. No pun intended. Oh, yeah. It was ugly. Um, yeah, down, down
1: 14-3 at the half. They got booed off at halftime by their fans. Love the support. Uh, definitely... Yeah. Yeah, definitely rough. But uh, and I saw uh, Kirby Smart's halftime speech where he was talking about, you know, we're going to go out there. We're going to take it one drive at a time. We're going to get maybe six drives this half. And we're going to just try and score on four of them. And our defense is going to shut them down. And we're going to come out of this with an ugly win. And that's what we're going to have to do. And we're going to do it. And credit to him, That's what they did. Right. Uh, the offense got just enough done. Their defense shut them down and they were able to come out with a win. Um, that's kind of like what you were saying. These elite teams that have been there before, they've got the pedigree, they've got the coaching. Um, they just find ways to win when things aren't working. Right. Uh, it wasn't clicking in the first half. They, uh, they just couldn't move the ball. And, um, but you know, they, they came out and dominated the second half and got the job done. Um, m- mainly through the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, they out gained 189 yards to 53 yards on the ground. Um, A that's kind of their, yeah yeah i mean the the defense showed up uh you know spencer rattler did best he could um they were moving the ball pretty well in that first half but the second half the the offense just couldn't couldn't do anything Georgia's defense came to play so um yeah i think uh i think it was a little bit of a scare but i think georgia proved why they've you know they're back-to-back champs um they're still probably the best team in the country and they were able to get it done. They were able to dig, it, so dig themselves out of a hole and play to their strengths and uh, and get it done. And they had a few injuries. Uh, right. Their top wide receiver, first team all SEC wide receiver, uh, Lab McConkey was out. Um, Javon Bullard, all SEC first team safety out as well. So had a few injuries that, um, you know, could have hampered them a little bit, you could say. But, um, you know, anytime you can get a, a good SEC win like that, uh, I think they'll take it. I think that they're right. comfortable enough, knowing that they're one of the best. That a win like a, a, a tough win like
0: this isn't going to phase them. Um, I, I think they'll 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 be just fine. Right. It, going back to uh, we as we mentioned in the Florida State game, you know, I, I was watching this one, and even though they were down fourteen to three at half, I just kind of in the back of my head thought, yeah, well, they're going to come back and win. You know that. That's mm-hmm. just that that's just Kirby Smart's coaching and the, the elite talent that he has under him. Um I, I have right. no doubt that they were going to come back a different team. South Carolina was, you know, probably gonna be overwhelmed, which they were. I mean they they could not move the ball offensively in the second half. And you know you got a problem when your top runner is Rattler and he, you know, only rushed for thirty five yards. So, uh, Georgia right, made yeah. it clear, like, yeah, you're going to get us through the air a couple of times, but even then, throw, having to throw against that secondary is a problem, and uh, you, know, you look at Rattler's numbers, he was really good in the first half, but second half in total, he finishes 22 of 42 for 256, and he had a pair of interceptions as well. So uh, mm-hmm. Georgia's defense is going to be a problem as they showed in the second half. The offense got it going, especially on the ground, similar to what Bama should be doing, by the way. And I just think you know Georgia, as we look ahead you know they, they play UAB next week. Uh, Georgia's got a, a pretty easy schedule in my book, but uh, they, yeah they do. Uh, they you know, they'll take care of business as they move on.
1: Yeah, and, and just to touch on, they only gave up uh, 98 yards. South Carolina only got 98 yards on all their drives in the second half and threw two picks. So, yeah, the d- the defense for Georgia was just, uh, you know, as advertised in that second half. So I think that's going to be the strength that uh, carries Georgia through the season. So, yeah, I expect to see Georgia, you know,
0: in the SEC championship playing for a, a playoff spot for sure. Right, right. Now... Moving on to a non-SEC team. What the uh, Washington Huskies. They defeated Michigan State 41 to 7 and it it was 35 nothing at half, Garrett. I mean, that was just utter domination from the dogs and I I'm, I'm just saying they look every part of a dark horse as far as, you know, teams that could challenge for a Playoff spot this year, their offense is elite. Their wide receivers are probably the second best in the country behind Ohio State as far as a group of receivers, and their defense to me looks a little bit more solid than say USC's defense. So, it, I mean, that Husky defense held Michigan State's quarterback to around 130 yards passing on the day. Um, Michigan State got nothing going, and like I said, it was 35 nothing at half. Final score, forty-one to seven, and, and Noah Kim. Just to touch on that, he threw twelve of thirty-one for one hundred thirty-six yards. So, you know, nothing, nothing doing for the Spartans, and you know they have that off-the-field issue with Mel Tucker as well as a distraction hanging over their head. So, I don't want to beat up the players right. too bad, but um, Huskies just very impressive performance.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. They were you know fifteen-point favorites, but thirty-five nothing at the half. Uh, um, Michael Penix didn't even play the fourth quarter. They uh, just absolutely dominated um, in every aspect. And yeah, I think obviously I think Michigan state's not the, you know, they're even, even for being just an average big 10 team, it's an impressive victory, 35, nothing. Right. Um, They've got one of the best offenses in the country. The defense looked amazing too. Yeah. Um, to me, I think uh, from what they've shown this year, I don't, I think I would put them right up there with USC. I don't, I think I would put them just about even I, I, I if they played today, I, I might would pick Washington to, right. uh, to beat USC. I, I I really like Washington. I think they could definitely win the PAC 12. So yeah, definitely a great start to the season for Washington. Um, Penix, definitely top two in Heisman, I would say with, yeah. uh, with Caleb Williams. You know, four seventy-three, four touchdowns, um just uh just cruising to a victory. Um made it look easy out there against Michigan State. So yeah, I like Washington a lot. And you know, not not a not a tough tough game for them. And um yeah, I I like them to win the pack twelve, possibly. Um they've they've been probably one of the more impressive teams this year. They they just haven't really shown many flaws. A lot of these teams are you know, having scares, showing a lot of problems, a lot of holes, a lot of teams having quarterback issues, right. offensive line issues, um, defense issues, like USC. But Washington just really isn't showing any weakness. They're they're showing that similar, kind of like Texas. I would say they're they're kind of proving that they have got a really complete team, um, right. which is hard to find right now. So um, yeah, def- definitely like Washington this season.
0: Here's Pierce again. A Smith screen. defend. Oh! All still alive. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. So, moving on to uh, another SEC game. We got to go back down south, Garrett. Here we go. Classic. The Tennessee Volunteers, they did not look the part of a playoff challenger. And I think many of the fans down there were sold a false bill of goods because I, I think Tennessee. They just don't they just don't have it this year as they felt at the hands of the Florida Gators 29 to 16. uh in what was an ugly game for them in the swamp and to be fair the Florida going to play in the swamp is never an easy feat and the the Gators were fired up it was they were kind of cornered in what was a must-win scenario for them I mean starting out one and two would have just been brutal for them. So they had to get that one. They start out 26-7. to seven. Nothing was going right for Tennessee. And I don't know about you, Garrett, but probably one of the more striking things for me with Tennessee was just how mediocre they looked at wide receiver, especially. I mean, who are those guys mm-hmm. that Joe Milton they're, can throw the ball to? I I just don't trust them.
1: Yeah, they're missing Jalen Hyatt. Um from last year. And and even then Joe Milton, I think is a, I think Tennessee, you know, they had a great year last year with, uh, hooker and Jalen Hyatt. And both of them are gone now. I think that they got a little bit of carryover respect from last year, similarly to how TCU played, you know, they had a great year last year, right? Uh, ranked 16th, I think to start the year this year. Uh, and I think Tennessee's in a similar situation where, Uh, I mean, they're still a talented team in general, but I think they just the downgrade from Hooker to Joe Milton and losing weapons like Jalen Hyatt is just too much for them. They don't have the consistency of Obama or Georgia where they can lose star players like that and just reload and keep going. So I think they're having a little bit of a, a lull from that. Joe Milton, I think, is still a good quarterback, but I just don't think he's, you know... He's not at the level of Hendon Hooker. I mean, H- Hooker played amazing last year before he got hurt. He was probably the leading Heisman candidate. Um, right. And when you lose that, it's it's always going to be hard to recover. So, um, yeah. It, and and the thing is, Florida is they're they're a good team. They're not a great team. And to just get blown out in the first half the way that they did, um, I, I just think Tennessee's you know o- overrated to start the year. I don't think that they are going to be competing for an SEC title or anything like that. So, right. Um, But I mean, a good, a really good win, a good statement win for Florida, like you said. Starting one and two would have been tough. Um, Really got manhandled by Utah, and so to come out and play the way they did, dominating on the ground, uh, Trevor Etienne with 172 yards and a touchdown. Right. Um, They 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 came out and you know, I said statement win. So impressive win. Uh, had to keep the streak alive. 10th straight home win versus Tennessee. Tennessee just can't get it done down there. Mm. And yeah, uh, yeah, tough game for Tennessee. 10 penalties for 79 yards didn't help. So um, yeah, and, good, and, uh, good win for Florida for sure.
0: And for Tennessee, you know, uh, their starting center was also hurt. So there were a lot of communication issues. Up on that offensive line, and which contributed mightily right. to their penalty struggles. So, right, you know, right. it, all in all, a, a tough night for Tennessee. But it, I, I completely agree with your, you know, your Hendon Hooker and, and Jalen Hyatt losing those two pieces, and Hooker's stats were insane last year. So, I, I think Milton is a, a bit of a downgrade. Uh, in that department he's still very you see the arm talent that he has i mean so the there were some passes during the game where he just had the flip of the wrist and next thing you know that yep, ball is yep. going 70 yards downfield and on the other end of the, and they were well thrown balls in it to be fair to to milton and his receivers just didn't go up and get it they didn't have a hyatt you know mm-hmm. and uh so, I'm a little concerned for Tennessee and I think um that they've they've been exposed offensively they're lacking some some weapons and explosiveness so that's going to be up to the coaching staff there to find a leader on that side of the ball but also defensively has been kind of a letdown for Tennessee that they they supposedly upgraded on that side of the ball and I just haven't seen it I haven't seen a defense that's going to go out and get a key stop so Tennessee they they've got some questions that need answering. But for Florida, you know, we bring up Florida, looking at their schedule here. They got Charlotte at home, they go on the road to Kentucky, and that'll be a bit of a challenge. Kentucky's tougher than I think they have been in the past. Florida then hosts Vanderbilt, then they go on the road to South Carolina. So, conceivably here, they could win these next four straight games and be 6 and 1 heading into the October 28th showdown in Jacksonville against georgia and man if florida's six and one and georgia's going to perform like we think they're going to perform heading into that game that's uh that's going to be one to mark on your calendars folks um that that would be a, a, a big one
1: yeah i mean they're in that uh they're in the east with georgia uh and, and, and Tennessee was probably they're going to be their main contender for this two spot in that division. And so winning over them put some them kind of in the driver's seat to be right behind Georgia. I mean, maybe they could pull off a run and if they get a win over Georgia, they're looking at, you know, possibly competing for a for a SEC title. But, you know, I, I don't think Georgia, I don't, I don't think Florida is at that level yet where they can beat Georgia. Maybe right. if they're going in. What would they be? Five and one, six and one, going into that game. Right. Maybe I'll think differently, but um, yeah, they, they put them in a good spot to at least have that, that opportunity. Um, you know, not not high expectations coming into the year, and not a good loss to start it off against Utah with their backup quarterback. But this is definitely a good win. To like you said, easy part of the stretch, uh, easy part of the schedule right here. This next uh, next four games is. This should be um, maybe favored on all four, but um, yeah, a good opportunity for them to get a good win streak going and maybe build some hype going into the Georgia game, at least. Right, all
0: right. Now uh, we we can br- we'll briefly touch on this game before the Colorado Colorado State game, uh, and kind of just a general over just some general thoughts on this one. Number three, Texas beats Wyoming thirty-one to ten. I mean, Garrett, it was it was ten to ten in the third quarter. Um, And after this massive win against Alabama, where we thought, man, that's the national, that's a national championship challenger right there. And then Texas at, you know, they went on to finish 31 to 10, scored 21 points in the fourth. They did what they needed to do. But I don't know, just kind of a dud from the Longhorns. I mean, Quinn Ewers, 11 of 21, 131 yards. Uh, thank goodness Jonathan Brooks decided to carry the ball 21 times for 164 yards. So uh, good job to the defense of Texas. I'll say that. But, um, man, a little bit of a dud down in Austin. Yeah, I mean, a bit of a hangover
1: maybe from the Alabama win. Um, right. Started off slow. But at the end of the day, 21 points in the fourth quarter. They, The, the difference really was um, – just the, uh, the weapons that they had making big plays when they needed them. Right. Um, Xavier worthy ripping off a 44 yard touchdown. Um, and then like you said, Jonathan Brooks, he, uh, had a big play. Uh, not sure where it was in here. A 61 yard run, uh, the, the next drive after that. So, yeah, just uh, the weapons being the real difference maker in the game. Um, just having a couple of those big plays in the fourth quarter to to seal the win. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think that this one, they started off slow, but, but not really anything to be concerned about. If I'm a Texas fan, I'm still... I mean, maybe you get a little bit worried about possibly having... Because they're playing in the Big 12. They're not going to have... They're not going to be... I would say tested every week like they would in in the SEC or the, the PAC 12, they're going to have those games against inferior opponents pretty often, especially down the stretch of the year. Right. You know, they're ending the season with, uh, you know, Iowa state, Texas tech, uh, TCU. And, and, you know, to really prove it, like we've talked about before with some of these teams, you know, you have to, be consistent there's not a lot of room for error right now if you actually want to make the playoffs so they're going to have to prove that they can go in against these inferior teams every week and play to the best of their abilities and not play down to their opponents so right. that's going to be the real test for texas this season not obviously a great start uh in this one you know 10 to 10 at halftime but um I, I think that at the end of the day it's they showed why they're uh why they're one of the best and why they have the talent that they do um really being the difference maker pulling away at the end so um it is, uh, this could just this is probably going to be a theme throughout the year i wouldn't be surprised if they have more games like this so we'll, we'll see if they can keep pulling it out but that's definitely be something that they have to they have to focus on going forward they have to keep their focus through all these uh through all these games on their schedule
0: Right. And I suppose that's my biggest critique of Texas. And heck, we can even loop Florida State into this conversation. Just That's why I'm cautiously optimistic for Texas is in years past, they've played down to the level of their competition. And I think that's just a a dragon in their locker room that they're going to have to slay and say, if we want to take this next step as a roster and as a program, we've got to run the table here. And then we've got to do so convincingly. You know, we don't have; they don't have to be perfect or anything like that. And no team will be; they're all human. But at the end of the day, it, they they've got to go out and have some statements. I think, especially against the opponents that they should beat. And looking at the rest of their schedule, like you said, they they should, you know, in all logic, beat. All of these upcoming opponents. So, you know that for if I'm a Texas fan, I'm I'm also cautiously optimistic. I mean, Baylor they should win. Kansas at can or, uh, at Baylor they should win. Home against Kansas they should win. Oklahoma that's probably going to be their toughest test, but they should win. Um, Kansas State you know a tough test down the road. Uh, but all in all, Texas should be heavily favored in all of these. And like you said, the test for them. Is can they bow up and say, no, here's why we're favored above all of y'all and go out and And and
1: in in the past, I probably would have doubted that they could do it. But given the way that they played against Alabama on the road, it gives me a little more confidence that they can get it done this season. So I, I still like their chances of running the table and making the playoffs. So I'll give them that. Right, right.
0: And I would be right there with you as we look ahead to oh there was one last game we want to touch on kind of a everybody was watching this one i think this had over nine million viewers of course we're talking about an nfl game right no we're talking about colorado and colorado state a team that went three and nine last year and got blown out by my cougs in week one but who cares about this everybody you see how many celebrities were on the sideline That, that was insane
1: Unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, with such a late kickoff, I mean, we stayed up and watched it out here on the East Coast. It didn't end until at least two thirty, right? Um, and I had people the next day or on Monday coming up to me asking about the Colorado game. That, that I, they weren't—they're not even college football fans, but everybody is <laughs> following or at least catching wind of this Colorado team and the the, the spectacle of it. And it's uh, it's it's. I mean, you can't knock them. For, you know putting on a show and drawing attention drawing people in right um it's it's pretty
0: i would say you know at least in my lifetime i haven't seen anything like it right and to coach prime's credit you know there's a lot of people who are bagging on prime and saying this isn't what college football is supposed to be he's making a mockery of the pageantry and the tradition and and i'm like yeah but look at his stadium It is packed. College game day is in attendance. Look at how well he did in the transfer portal. Look how many celebrities are on the sideline. Look how many shades he sold in in a matter of days (laughs) just from his marketing. College football, yes, it is a sport, but it is college football is at the core, but entertainment is wrapped around it. You're an entertainer, and if there's a better entertainer, than Coach Prime, then I don't know him because he has turned a 1 in 11 program with very little history to hang its hat on into the place to be, to where rappers and who knows who else is showing up on the sidelines. LeBron James is tweeting about it. The Rock is there for College Game Day. College Game days in Boulder for a Colorado State game. I mean, come <laughs> on. And then Coach Prime's doing a masterful job pitching this to recruits. He had the number one overall recruit in attendance at this game. So for me, you know, people can bash all they want on Coach Prime, but he has this down to a science and Colorado's in good hands for the upcoming future. But enough about off the field, because he's they've got that mastered. On the field was a little bit different of a story, at least for, you know, the first three quarters, because Colorado State it was kind of like a Super Bowl environment and a Super Bowl effect in that it was such a big game and there was so much talk about it that Colorado State, a team that's not very good, played their tails off and Colorado, I think, was probably overconfident, a little cocky, shocker, and you know, played down to their level and as a result, man, this was a this was a really close game. Yeah, I mean, just uh, I'm
1: I'm glad as someone who stayed up and watched it, I was I was a little bit worried that the game wouldn't live up to the hype that was you know built it that they had built up for it. Um, but it, it lived up to expectations, and uh, like you said, it's just one of those things that when you have such a big a big moment, you hype it up so much it can be a big boost of energy for the underdog. And it all can also be a lot of pressure for, for the favorite for Colorado. I mean, they have a lot of pressure on them now with so many eyeballs. Everyone's everyone's right. watching them. And in a game where they're favored by 23 and a half points, um, I think the pressure got to him a little bit, maybe a little, a little bit of overconfidence, like you said. Right. So, but it delivered in, a, in an amazing game, uh, you know, down 11, eight minutes to go. They, they put together two great drives, uh, they had to go 98 yards on the final drive to tie it Shadur Sanders showed a lot of poise a lot of um uh just ability to sit back and make every throw he needed to on that final drive uh really impressive the the big numbers continue 38 to 47 348 yards four touchdowns um yeah I mean obviously you don't want to have to go to double overtime to right. beat someone that you're favored to win by 23 and a half points. But at the end of the day, they did, like I said, showed a lot of poise. So a lot of resiliency to, they they didn't get, let the pressure get to them. We were talking about it during the game, but if they had lost that game, that would have to have been one of the more embarrassing losses that I can remember. Just everything that was building up to that game to go in and lose when you're so heavily favored would have been, I mean, that would, I, I, like I said, just embarrassing. Right. And catastrophic. Yeah. To not fold when they did late in that game, when I honestly thought Colorado state was going to win that game to come back and win. I I mean, that says a lot about the team now. I don't know if it shows. Again, it's a little concerning to be in that situation in the first place. I don't know if they're, to the level of some of these other PAC 12 schools that we know were good, like Oregon, Washington, USC, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a, it was a great show, but definitely a little bit concerning that their defense couldn't stop Colorado state, which we, you know, is definitely a weak point for Colorado. So, um, but offensively Sanders, like I said, still played amazing. I think that the offense is going to be able to put up points against anyone, but, um, the defense is definitely a little bit concerning car. Say quarterback, um, Brayden Fowler, Nicolosi, 367 yards, three touchdowns did have the three picks. Right. But, uh, he, he fought through it. He played really well all the way to the end. Uh, uh receiver 14, Torrey Horton. I mean, he was really impressive. Yeah. He had 16 catches for 133 yards and a touchdown transfer portal. Um, Transfer portal guy. Yep, there you go. Um, yeah, no, they, they, they played a great game. A little bit of drama with uh, with the hit on Travis Hunter. Mm-hmm. Curious uh, what you thought about that. Um, I, I thought that, you know, there was a lot of drama leading up to it that made it, you know, Dion was telling his team it's personal. You know, right. They, uh, a lot of back and forth beforehand, things got a little bit heated pre-game in the middle of the field. So I'm not surprised things were a little chippy. And, you know, it, I feel like you have to expect it. Colorado State's coming in as an underdog. They have to send a message that they're not going to back down. It was a late hit, probably warranted a penalty, maybe, maybe an ejection, but, um, you know, travis hunter said afterwards it's a football though at the end of the day right um stuff like that's gonna happen and um yeah i don't know i don't know what you thought about it but um yeah a little bit dirty maybe um but mm-hmm. i think it definitely didn't warrant some of the overreaction that it got for
0: sure oh good grief yeah that the the death threats that um, hen- right. Um, I'm trying to find the uh, Henry Blackburn. He was Henry the, Blackburn. Yeah, he was the Colorado State safety who laid the wood to Travis Hunter in what I thought was a dirty hit. You know, he he didn't even look for the ball. He just found Hunter and hit him hard. Right. And you know, maybe you could make the argument that he was just trying to time his hit. You know, but I to me, you got to locate the ball then lay lay the the hit. And he didn't do that. He just went and straight for Hunter head hunting, and it, right, me, it, per- it was sending a message for sure. It was, yeah. And he stood over him afterwards and was talking some smack. And but it, for me, like the whole uh, targeting penalty, the ejection and half suspension going into the next game is just ridiculous in my book. I think it should just be a fifteen yard penalty, and you move on, unless it's obviously just something egregious where a guy was trying to literally kill somebody uh but other than that i think an ejection is oftentimes laughable and it's it's frankly kind of ruined some games in the past so that's my take on like that whole targeting thing but uh yeah the the death threats were just a complete joke and you know for colorado now they now they're without travis hunter and we look forward here you know i agree with pretty much everything you said as far as the the game in itself and uh, i i think some weaknesses were definitely exposed with this colorado team and looking ahead without travis hunter now they go to oregon and we'll touch on this here in a little bit but if i'm if i'm colorado i'm i'm kind of thinking okay we're probably going to be brought back down to earth a little bit in this next week or so and you know if if anybody could shock the world it would probably be deon sanders team so you know they're 21 point dogs we'll talk about that game here in a little bit but yeah it, great show put on by colorado in the second half what a comeback and as you as you mentioned if it, 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 would, it would have been humiliating if they lost to colorado state and they would have been looking at potentially you know this next stretch here is brutal Oregon and USC back to back. So maybe three straight losses and suddenly what started out as such a promising and hype season just folds just like that. So big win, big comeback. And, um, with that, I think we kind of shift gears here to uh, week Four. that sound good to you, Garrett. Sounds good to me. We might as well kick it off, uh, Colorado and Oregon. We just talked about. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and it's at Autzen Stadium. Both teams are 3-0 and coming into this one. According to the AP poll, Oregon comes in ranked at 10th. Colorado comes in ranked at 19th. And, you know, we, we kind of touched on this here a little bit. And seeing as I was just rolling with it, I'm just going to take the first bit here. Uh, Oregon is just looking incredibly impressive. And I think they're probably going to win the game at the line of scrimmage. I think that's one of Colorado's weaknesses is the offense and defensive line just aren't there yet. They're better than in years past. But they're just not going to be able to compete with the elite teams right now. And Deion will probably fix that in the transfer portal. He'll uh, he'll probably get some big-name recruits coming in. But I think Oregon's going to establish dominance at the line of scrimmage. And then on top of that, you got guys like Bo Nix... You know, a guy who's been playing this game for 15 years, it seems like, and he's just an elite talent, and we've seen it already. He's been tested in a game down in Lubbock, Texas, where Oregon was up against the ropes. They were down by numerous possessions, and Bo Nix led him back, and he's coming off another good performance against, uh, granted, Hawaii, so not an elite talent, but Bo Nix was a twenty-one of twenty-seven, so very few mistakes, two hundred forty-seven yards and three touchdowns, and he's also surrounded by a stable of running backs. I mean Noah Whittington five carries for eighty yards against Hawaii, that's a decent average there. Jordan James seven carries sixty-one yards, um, it's so and that's that's double credit to the offensive line there and then the wide receivers he's got weapons like troy franklin tez johnson gary bryant jr and you know this so a lot of speed on offense but defensively i think this oregon team's a little bit more solid than in years past too so i don't know gary i don't know if i see oregon winning by 21 or more but i do see this being you know, probably a, a 31 to 21, 35 to 21 kind of game where, you know, maybe we see Shadur make a couple of mistakes here, throws a couple of picks. Oregon capitalizes and ultimately pulls away. That's kind of my gut feeling as I look at this game. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think
1: that what we know about Colorado, I think Oregon's really going to expose the defense in this game. I think that. Thirty-five points, like you said, I think that's a minimum. I think they're going to be. I mean, this team can put it up points, and right. Colorado they could they couldn't stop Colorado State running those simple little cross routes in the flat. They ran that all game, and Colorado still couldn't stop them. And um, I don't, I just don't trust the defense. I think Oregon is going to move the ball just as they please, especially on the ground. Like you said, the the Colorado defense, even and offensively, both sides of the ball, they just don't have the the offensive or defensive line to really match Oregon. Right. So I think Oregon's probably going to have their way offensively. The only chance Colorado has is if they can move the ball and keep up with them uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Right. And their offense is great. You know, Shadour has been lights out this season, Right. Um, put himself into the Heisman conversation, but we obviously haven't seen them play an opponent like Oregon yet. So this will be the first real test against the team that we know is, uh, a, 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 an elite team, so I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to is whether or not Colorado can move the ball in Oregon. But Oregon's got a great defense, I think. That I think they're going to pressure him a lot more than these first few weeks, right? Um, they're probably going to get to him more than other teams have been able to, and they're going to disrupt him. He's been able to sit in the pocket, that's when he's at his best, is when he's able to sit in the pocket find his receiver and he's really accurate. Then he throws a great deep ball, um, but we haven't really seen him get rattled yet. We haven't seen him just get pressured hard other than Nebraska did it a little bit in the first half and it worked. Uh yeah. really slowed down the offense for a bit. But um, against Oregon, uh, I don't think that the offensive lines can be able to hold up and I don't think they're gonna be able to move the ball as well. So, like you said, I I think the offense could do enough to keep up and cover a 21 point spread, but right. um, You know, uh, somewhere in that, you know, 14, 17 point loss. um, Kind of like you said, I think Oregon's going to put up a lot of points. I could see 42, 49. Um, right. But I, I just don't think Colorado is going to be able to keep up.
0: Right. And, and I, as far as the points scored, I, I could totally see that as well. Just a, a 45 to 24, 28 kind of game. and, you know, Pudor. We see him make some mistakes that maybe he hasn't thus far, and uh, that's just just mm-hmm. the caliber that Oregon's going to be bringing to the table. And then, man, I don't want to look ahead too far, but then USC coming to town the next week, and that's probably going to be another uh, highly viewed outing as well. So, um, all in all, I think we get a chance to see really how far this Colorado team can go this week. So right, stay right. tuned for that. That's a 1230 kickoff and that's a Pacific time. I want to say. Um, and then as far as TV, you can find that on ESPN. Um, it, it's going to, it's going to be a big, a big crowd in Austin, and they always bring it. So as far as other games, uh, this, let's go back to Florida state here. Cause they're going to Clemson and it's at death Valley. And, you and I were talking about this yesterday, Garrett. We got, we got some different views on this. I think that Florida State is – and I thought about what you said, and I thought about all in all what Florida State looked like in that first game. And I could very well see Clemson coming out and surprising people, but I'm still going to take my Florida State pick to go in and win at Death Valley. And it kind of cement themselves as the ACC team this year, and I just the the reason I think that's going to happen is Florida State, even though they did almost choke against Boston College, they still got off to a hot start. And my thought is, if you're if you're Clemson, you're already feeling a little uncertain about how this season has started. You're feeling a little bit, man. How are we going to respond if we get punched in the gut? And I could just see in the first quarter, Florida State jumps out to a 10 nothing lead or something like that. And suddenly, Death Valley gets a little bit quiet. And next thing you know, Florida State really amps up the pressure, and maybe they aren't looking to pass Clemson because, you know, but like last week against Boston College, oh, we're supposed to roll over Boston College. Well, Clemson, they've been the big dog in the ACC for a while. This is revenge. And... I just don't necessarily think I see Florida State letting their foot off the gas like they did against Boston College. So, maybe it's not a super comfortable win, but for me I've got Florida State going in there and, you know, maybe this is a a 31 to 21 kind of game, but it I I could see it being a couple possessions I and mean, maybe they pull away towards the end, but for me Florida State goes in and gets the win. Yeah, I I'm not a hundred percent confident that
1: Clemson's going to win this game. I, my main gripe is with Clemson being left out of the And I know that the AP top 25, it's, it's very meaningless. And some of these voters, you can right. see, they just vote the most random stuff. There's this guy I follow who just, he was putting, uh, I think even after this BC game, he's got Florida state number one in the country, which I think <laughs> is kind of crazy, but, um, yeah, I, I I just I think too much was made about their loss at Duke. Um, you know, it's it's game one on the road. They have they failed to score three times from within the Duke ten. Um, they outgained Duke significantly, uh, and I think it was a just a, a fluky loss in my opinion. And and the thing is, Duke has shown uh, that they're a legit team this year. They're three and 0 They beat Northwestern pretty handily. You know, the voters have them 18th in the country right now and I think that right. you know, I th- I think Clemson's just better than being an unranked team. Um I still think they're a really good team and playing at home in Death Valley where uh I mean that's one of the toughest places to win at for a road team. So I li- I like Clemson's chances in this one. Um Florida State's favored by, I believe, I want to say two and a half points or two, two or two and a half points. Um, and, you know, if I, was a, if I was a betting man, I'd probably take Clemson in the points. So I, I really like Clemson's chances to win this game. I think that they're going to surprise people because uh, a lot of people just saw that them get clobbered by Duke. And people think Duke is just a, they don't think of him as a football team. And that's the last they heard of him. So I think people have kind of written Clemson off. And I think that they can use that as motivation and show that they're actually, yeah, I think they're still a really really good team and I think that they're going to come out. They're going to be motivated. This is their chance to redeem themselves and put themselves back in that conversation. So I, I, and like I said, Florida state is coming off a really, really bad half of football against Boston college. We'll see if they're able to just start off strong again and not carry that momentum over. But, um, I don't know. I just given that, plus Clemson has been playing really well the last two weeks against, you know, bad competition, but um they've been on a roll. And I, I, I you know, I like Clemson in this game to uh to come out and shock people and, and upset
0: FSU. Yeah, I, I could honestly see the game going one of two ways and yeah, state the obvious Garrison of what Florida State wins or Clemson wins. No. I mean like if if Clemson is able to come out and either match Florida State. So instead of Florida State starting 10 nothing, it's like a, it's 10-10, or Clemson's ahead 10-7, and both teams have kind of been um, come out well, then I think it, the favor would potentially shift over to Clemson, just being that they're in Death Valley. And and the ball just bounces differently when you're the road team and you're in a hostile environment. Now, I could also, again, a back to my previous prediction i could also see that as well so you know I, I stick by my florida state pick but i certainly see where you're coming from with regards to clemson and uh you know uh, they beat florida atlantic last week 48 to 14 they got charleston southern you know 66 to 17 and club nick he actually looked good last week so you know maybe they're starting to hit their groove here and um, it branch out a little bit more offensively so Time will tell, and that's this Saturday at 9 a.m. And um, again, that's Pacific time. I'm over here at Pacific time, and that'll be on ESPN. <laughs> so um, noon kickoff over there in Death Valley should be a good one. I was kind of hoping it would be a night game. It, it should, that just sounds yeah, better. I think yeah, I think
1: typically, I mean, I, I was expecting it to be a prime time game, but again, I think just the it's a little bit of the disrespect to Clemson ever since that Week One loss. They've you know they're not getting the the same treatment that they would have probably before the season started. So, yeah, noon kickoff at Death Valley. I, I just—it's hard for me to. I, I still like Clemson this one. I think Clemson gets the win here.
0: Well, there you go, folks. Stay tuned. And by the way, when Garrett and I have disagreed, I'm one and zero. So maybe this is maybe this ties it up for us at one. True, <laughs> true. Now we mentioned out. We back to Alpha mentioned Alabama. They take on Ole Miss this week. And Nick Saban is 4-0 and against his former apprentice, Lane Kiffin, his former coordinator. And uh, Bama has beaten Ole Miss every single time they've played under Lane Kiffin pretty handily. Um, but this, obviously, a little bit different circumstances. And I got to tell you, Garrett, I'm a little worried for Alabama. I think they're going to win. Let me be clear. I think Bama is going to win. I just trust Nick Saban and his ability to get his team to bounce back. But this Ole Miss team, if we look at their offense and the kind of weapons they have, I mean, Haynes King, uh, oh, excuse me, that that was Georgia Tech, Jackson Dart. There we go. Jackson (laughs) Dart and his ability to throw the ball downfield as well as his rushing ability, I mean, against Georgia Tech, he rushed for 14 carries and 136 yards, two touchdowns. That's the quarterback. And he also threw for 251 yards through the air. And when you got a guy like Jordan Watkins and uh, Dayton White and, Quinch, uh, and and Judkins, Aiden Williams, this Ole Miss team, they have weapons. So if i if it, it's going to be up to Bama's offense to see if they can get back into a groove and establish their tempo that they're going to want to have. I think Ole Miss is going to want to go a little bit faster and and maybe sling it around through the air, get Dart out in space to run around and try to loosen up the Alabama defense on the ground. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm a little bit anxious about Alabama, even though I'm picking them.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know. On paper, everything tells me that Ole Miss is going to win this game, but there's just all of the, the outside factors like, you know, Nick Saban, you know, playing against a former coordinator, Mm -hmm. Uh, just the giving him Alabama and Saban the respect of knowing that they're going to be a good team. It's hard to pick against them. So I don't know on paper. I just don't see how, their offense is going to hold up against this defense. Uh, I, you know, we talked about their offensive line issues. Um, Ole Miss has been great at getting pressure. They've got 10 sacks so far this year, Alabama worst in FBS in sack rate. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and, and Ole Miss has looked really good. They got a really good win over Tulane. Yeah. Um, they handled Georgia tech, Jackson darts playing really well. I don't trust Milro still. He, I think he's okay, but, um, he did okay against Texas, but I just don't think that yet again, missing last week. I don't think that their offense is going to be good enough to get it done against Ole Miss. I, I actually like Ole Miss in this one.
0: Oh Miss, Like I said, on okay. paper,
1: everything's telling me Ole Miss. Right. Uh, but man, it's hard to pick against Alabama. It always is. Right. Uh, especially going against just uh, a former coordinator uh, coming off a loss in Alabama. It's it's tough to pick against them, but I and, and this would be a devastating loss for Alabama. Oh, yeah. Season, this season's be, over in September,
0: practically.
1: Yeah, it, this would be just uncharted territory in recent memory for Nick Saban and Alabama. It's going to get really interesting over there if they lose this game, but I, I really do like Ole Miss in this one, uh, getting the, the upset, I guess you could say. Yeah. My gosh. If, I mean, no. I mean, Alabama's favored by six and a half. I, I don't, I don't see that. I would love take, I would always take out Ole Miss plus six and a half, but I, I just,
0: I still kind of, I like them to win outright too. Right. Yeah. I, my gosh, if your, if your prediction goes through, and Ole Miss beats Bama at Bama, it is going to feel like the sky is falling in college football in that it's essentially feeling like a change of the guard. Like, Alabama is no more. It's all Georgia now. And to be fair, it has been uh-huh. the last couple of years, you know. But, but ba- it still felt as though, like, well, Bama could still win the the championship, you know. And uh, right. a lot of people actually picked them this year. And... Man, that would just be unprecedented. Again, Bama being out of contention in September—that would just blow my mind. Which is why I got to stick with my pick with Bama. I told again. I I'm feeling very anxious about this pick because all signs are pointing towards oh, that Bama is ripe for the takedown by Ole Miss. Uh, a very athletic and dangerous team coming to town. Bama's offensive line struggles, the quarterback inconsistency, is Bama's offense going to be able to keep up with the weapons on Ole Miss? Is the defense going to be able to keep Bama in it? But I come back to the point of it's at Alabama and Nick Saban is still at the head and I just think when the back when his back against is against the wall, his team's back is against the wall. They're they're gonna want to get some respect back and the they, they wanna come out and show that, no, 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 we deserve to let to wear this iconic A logo on our, you know, on this jersey. We deserve to represent right. it. And I just think Bama's gonna respond. But I could see your prediction happening as well. So I'll stick with Bama and We'll see. We'll see how this one rolls out, but very interesting game. That is going to be a three thirty kickoff time uh, this Saturday. So stay tuned for that. As far as where you can watch this one, that's going to be uh, a, a I'm guessing a CBS. Yep, yeah, a CBS. Yeah, game. CBS. Because I mean, that's SEC. It makes sense. So yeah, there you go. Interesting times in Alabama. And there's a couple other games though. And now we shift our focus to uh, the north. But I, I suppose the west, actually. But uh, we're lo- I'm looking at UCLA and Utah. Uh, number 11 versus number 22. And uh, this is kind of an interesting one. You know, um, UCLA, they've got a, a pretty dangerous offense. And it's led by a five-star quarterback by the name of Dante Moore, who's shown it. Great promise for the Bruins. And he's got some weapons to get the ball to. And the defense from time to time has shown some some grit. And, you know, Chip Kelly, he's he's got a good thing going at UCLA. Garrett, what are your thoughts on this with the Bruins coming into Utah? Who, you know, by the way, Utah has been looking pretty impressive thus far. Ranked 11th. It's at Utah. I don't know. Could be a tough test year for the Bruins.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be the toughest test, uh, especially a freshman quarterback going against this Utah defense is going to be really tough. Um, it it could come down to whether or not Cam Rising comes back for Utah. They've been playing without him all year, and they said it's going to be, I think they said that tomorrow they'll make a decision on whether or not he's going to play. So uh, it's it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be, it might come down to that. I still like Utah. I think that their defense is just going to be too much for uh, for UCLA. I think they'll be able to slow down the offense, especially a freshman quarterback. I think it's going to be and, and given that they played a lot of easy competition so far, I haven't really been tested. I think this is going to be a bit of a wake up call for them. So I, I like Utah regardless, uh, but I think if they can get Cam Rising back, that'll uh, that'll sort of. I guess make it a little more comfortable. They're four and a half point favorites, obviously with not knowing camera rising. I think if he, I think if he's back, then they win a little more comfortably, but if he's not, if he's not back, I could see maybe UCLA can pull off an upset. If Utah struggles moving the ball, but I think either way, their defense is going to be enough to get it done against UCLA.
0: Right. And these PAC 12 games are always difficult to predict just because the PAC 12 is so good at cannibalizing itself. Um, I mean, heck, you look at UCLA's schedule here. They got Utah, then they take on Washington State, then they take on 14th ranked Oregon State. They get a breaking in Stanford. No offense, Stanford, but uh, honestly, that's a, probably a game uh, that Stanford would pull off. <laughs> and and then uh, <laughs> right, and then they they face Colorado. So just it's brutal all the way across the board if you're in the Pac-12. So uh, I'm with you though. I just think Utah at home with their elite defense. I mean, that defense literally saved Utah against Baylor when all signs were pointing to Baylor pulling off the upset and a, with a big comeback mm-hmm. win. The offense was was struggling, but uh, the defense really just kept them in it. I expect that to happen here as well, especially, like you said, a freshman quarterback on the road in that tough environment, and it's going to be a, a 330 kickoff I don't know. I I think the Utes will win this one. And like you said, it also depends on the quarterback situation as uh, Utah's kind of got some mounting injuries that do concern me, um, both offensively and defensively. So it's really, to me, if Cam Rising is in, I like Utah by maybe 10 points or so. That's just my gut. And if Rising isn't in, I think Utah could have a dogfight on their hands, and it's going to come down to their defense, their home field advantage. But it would be a much, it'd be a very close game for Utah. I think to try to escape without rising once again. So we'll All have right. to see if the injury bug gets them. But uh, I'm pulling with the Utes. So yeah, and and just
1: to touch on the the defensive battle, uh, UCLA has been carried a lot by their run game. Like I said, they got a freshman quarterback, and he's been playing well. But their their rushing attack has been the main uh, main uh, source of offense for them. They're averaging 270 yards on the ground so far. But I mean, Mm. their running backs are averaging eight eight a carry, nine a carry, eight. Um, I mean, they're they're getting everything they want on the ground. Totally sustainable. Utah's defense. (laughs) Right, <laughs> right. I mean, Utah's defense is going to be a huge wake-up call for them, and I, I think that they're going to be able to shut them down running the ball. And when that happens, I don't see them leaning on, uh, on Dante Moore to, to just carry them through the air. I, I think that they're going to just really struggle offensively, and that's kind of going to be the difference maker. And so, like, like I said, I,
0: I like Utah to win this game regardless. Another Pac-12 game here. It's going to be in a place close to home, Washington State. Taking on Oregon State in the Palouse. It's going to be a sellout crowd. It's going to be a little bit different, though. This might be the first time that I can remember a home crowd cheering or at least clapping for the opposing team because there's just some camaraderie here between the Cougs and the Beavers in that, you know, Oregon State and Washington State are the last two Pac 12 teams standing in that conference. And They've been supporting each other, and they had a. They're going into a lawsuit together against the Pac-12. So I, I think it, that it's going to be an interesting environment. Like, hey, welcome! Now we hope we win, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, right. I'm. I've seen a lot of picks for Oregon State, and I've seen Oregon State, you know, being talked about as a potential New Year's Six team, and I could see those arguments, but I'm going to take Washington State. And people are going to say, "Well, Garrison, you're biased. You're a cougar." Former, yeah, exactly. And they're right. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I I think Washington State's defense is going to surprise some people in that I think it's got a it's a speed D vibe, in, in that they're going to be blitzing off the edges. They've got some great defensive players on that front and Rod Stone and um, his he had he forced a couple of big sacks against Wisconsin to seal that win and forced a couple of fumbles as well and their secondary has also been pretty talented as well um, offensively Cam Wart uh, to me he is probably one of the best quarterbacks that is not talked about uh, he, I mean last week he was 20 of 26 for 327 yards and 4 touchdowns I think he is just a, a silent assassin because he's playing at Washington State and nobody really outside of the Northwest follows Washington State. Um, so, And he's got some ex- excellent receivers on the outside that he can get the ball to out in space. Coach Dickert always seems to have the team ready to go and Washington State, You know, we talked about this a little bit with uh, Matt Chazenow, the play-by-play guy for the Cougs, and if, if they win this game at against Oregon State, they start out 4-0, they're probably heading towards the top 15 with the win, and then they go to UCLA, but then they got Arizona, and yeah, Oregon would be a tough one, but then they got Arizona State, they got Stanford, they got Cal. They could conceivably win I would say five of those six games I just mentioned, and then they got Colorado at home, and then they've got at Washington. So, Like I said earlier uh, in the week prior, WSU could be on the cusp of a very special season. But I think that in in that sense, I think this Oregon State game is big for that. If they beat the Beavers at home, I really think that gives them the momentum to jump into this season on that note. So I don't know, Garrett. uh, That's probably me being a little too optimistic there about the Cougs going forward. But uh, what are your thoughts right, on this game? Right.
1: Well, uh, this one I think is a bit of a toss-up. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll you know you're you're the Washington State expert, um, but uh, so I'll you know, defer to you. I, I do like Washington State in this one. I think that Oregon State's defense has looked really good. Um, it's going to be a tough test for Washington State. Uh, the, right. You know, strength of their team is generally their offense but like you said I think their defense can surprise some people I think DJ he showed last week he, you know he had a really good start to the season but last week he showed a little bit of a little bit of uh DJ of last year um mm-hmm. he kind of struggled against San Diego State right you know 47 percent completion on his passes uh two interceptions he didn't look amazing And I think if their defense, if Washington state can get a couple turnovers, I like them in this one. And I think they definitely can. I think he's going to give them those opportunities. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's kind of a toss up for me. Um, Oregon state's defense has been really impressive this year, but I think that I think Washington state can do it. Being at home, uh, I'll, I'll probably go with Washington state on this one.
0: Well, there we go. Cougs, Cougs. I like it. You've convinced me, Garrison. You, you, you made a compelling argument. No, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. And um, you know, at Oregon State, all all respect to them, I think, you know, they, they have obviously the tools and the weapons to come out and, you know, make me look silly for my prediction, but I just like the Cougs and what we saw with Wisconsin. So, there we go. Now, the, we can touch on this one briefly, because I, I think I know what you and I are going to say about this one, but Penn State versus Iowa, I think Penn State's probably going to have a good time in front of this wide out What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I I
1: generally just, I think Penn State is a really good team this year. I think that they are legit. I think that they can compete against Michigan and Ohio State, uh, especially Ohio State, who I think is really struggling, at the, not really struggling, but. they're they're not their offensive line and their quarterback play is just not where it needs to be to compete with Michigan. So I I think, I think Penn state is a legit team and it's, it it could be ugly. These are two amazing defenses going at it. Right. But I think the difference is that Penn state's offense is, you know, they're, they're right up there with their defense. They drew Aller's been really impressive this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, they struggled a little bit last week against Illinois, but, uh, I don't think I was going to be able to stop them and I, 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 don't trust Iowa's offense to move the ball at all against Penn state. So I, I it's, it's hard for me to predict them, especially being on the road at Penn state. Right. Um, I, 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 I'm very, very
0: confident picking Penn state in this one. Same here. That I, I figured we would agree on that. And just, you know, like you said, that Penn State struggled a little bit against Illinois last week. But, you know, this was an Illinois program that has also beaten Penn State recently on the road. So, um, for me, the question with Penn State is, will they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They say I would put them with Florida State and Texas as far as my confidence level, will they avoid playing down to the level of their competition? If the answer is no, then I think they're going to have an easy time with Iowa. But if they are if they play down to Iowa's level and next thing you know we're looking at a like a 7 to 3 game in late in the or we're approaching the third quarter or something like that. That that's when Penn State would have to worry. In my book, you know, it, heck, even the Bible talks about in Proverbs. You know, if you you keep coals next to your chest, you expect not to get burnt. So, I'm yeah, yeah, <laughs> getting all biblical on you, folks here. But with Penn State, they uh, it, you just you don't want to mess with a team that can hang around for too long. So, uh, but I, I look for Penn State ultimately here as. I, I agree they have an elite roster. I think they're right up there. They're close to Ohio State and Michigan this time around as kind of the third team to keep an eye on and maybe they could shock somebody who knows. So uh, Penn State I think wins this one pretty handily. Um, at least two possessions in in uh, Happy Valley. So Now the game we've all been waiting for Ohio State and Notre Dame. We have just been fortunate, Garrett, with some really big games this year. I mean, Florida State, LSU, Texas, Alabama, and now Ohio State and Notre Dame. It's so nice to have these big matchups early on in the season. Yeah. uh, I mean, this is
1: a great one. I think that... And I think in years past, I don't think people would have been excited about this game. I think, you know, Notre Dame generally everyone respects them as being a good team, but I don't think right. anyone puts them on the level of, you know, the elite teams last year in the past, you know, five, 10 years. I think people in past would have just uh expected Ohio state to expose Notre Dame as frauds, right. uh, roll, roll over them. Like every year when they make it to the playoffs or they play a big bowl game, uh they just they ultimately get run over and proven that they're not actually there yet. Right, um, but I think that this year, people actually expect a good game out of them. I think they're expecting a tight one, and mm-hmm. I actually like Notre Dame in this game. I have pretty high expectations for uh, for Notre Dame this year. I think that Ohio State is struggling; they are not confident in their quarterback. Their offensive line hasn't been playing well, and on the flip side, of Sam Hartman has been playing really well for notre dame right and i think that i in a game where there's talent all over the field i i think that they're pretty even teams overall but i have to default to the quarterback that i'm most confident confident in, which would be sam hartman right um ohio state i think has an edge with the just the weapons that they have with People like Marvin Harrison, I think that they'll be able to make plays. They're going to have an athletic advantage there on the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Notre Dame might struggle to defend them. And I think Ohio State will be able to put up points. But this is a Notre Dame team that in years past, you know, they've been lacking a quarterback. They've been lacking the ability to move the ball on these teams. But I think this year they have that with Sam Hartman. I think that they'll be actually, they'll actually be able to move the ball against an elite defense like Ohio state. So I think it'll be a close one. I think Ohio state, like I said, they have the weapons to score and put up points, but um, I, I think Notre Dame's
0: going to come out and in, uh, in a close one and get the win at home. Yeah. That, we're in agreement here. I think uh, I just, I remember last year, the Notre Dame, Ohio state game at the horseshoe. And this was of course, without, Um, Sam Hartman under center and uh, it remind me who's the quarterback who went to Alabama that's from Notre Dame Tyler Buckner Buckner yeah so he was under center and Notre Dame's defense actually played out of their minds very well and looked every much the part of a team that could go toe to toe with a team like Ohio State And I think it was 21 to 10, just kind of a Notre Dame kept their defense, kept them in it the whole time. And that was with an offense that could not move the ball that year. Notre Dame very much was a team that was hoping to be able to run the ball, establish the run game, make some plays through the air here and there. And their defense will mop up the rest. And you know, the formula worked sometimes, but other times it didn't. And Ohio state was one of those games. So, with all that being said, I look at the addition of Sam Hartman, who it just looks like he's already very much in sync in this offense, and then you throw on Audric Estime, again, I think that's how you pronounce it, who many some were, some are arguing might be the best running back in all of college football the way he's been playing this year. Now, granted, Notre Dame hasn't really had a test, so here he's getting a test right here. Um hey, NC State's a test. Right, like I said. Uh no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, NC State you're right. Uh, they did have a they do have a good uh they do have a good a quiet series or talking to me here. Uh they do have a good <laughs> front seven and um so uh, to, to see his running ability in that game. Again, that just that just proves my point. Uh he had 134 yeah. yards on the ground, 9 9 yards of carry. And with all that being said, it's it's going to be at home as well for Notre Dame, and I just think that coupled with their solid defense, and I think I think it's going to be a close one. I think that Ohio State will come out and they'll be able to do some nice things, and uh, put, it, it's it's going to ultimately make it a good game. But like you, I don't trust uh, the Ohio State quarterback situation. I don't trust their offense. Uh, I don't know that their defense. Which, by the way, their defense probably looks the best that it has in years past, which is why I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I mean, this this Ohio State team went and shut down a Western Kentucky team, which, by the way, their offense can move the ball. So sixty three to ten, Ohio State's defense held them in check. And Kyle McCord, you know, he got things going against Western Kentucky, but again, this is Notre State, this is a Notre Dame's defense, and I don't I don't trust him on the road at Notre Dame like that so for me it's going to be a close one but I think Notre Dame has the pieces this year to make a big statement against a brand like Ohio State at home and then really we've talked about this before Notre State er, I, wow Notre Dame looking ahead they really only have to get past Clemson potentially if they don't play down to anybody else's level throughout the year so could it be a see. special season Oh, and Duke, yeah, Duke. My apologies, at Duke, um, and USC. <laughs> so okay, all right,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big one in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, um, so but all that being said, I like Notre Dame in this game against uh, Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm like I said, right there with you. Um,
1: yeah, in years past, uh, I don't think Notre Dame would have had the offense, but Sam Hartman, I, I think that they're. Their offense is moving the ball really well this year, and I think they'll be able to get it done against Ohio State. i was going to say I think Ohio State can make some big splash plays, um, but I, I just don't think they're going to be able to consistently move the ball well enough to win. Um, and yeah, I and Ryan Day, he's struggled in these big games lately. Right. And, you know, they're a team that's very good at winning the the games that they should, but they struggle in these big moments. Right. Um, the losses to Michigan recently, uh, losing the playoffs. So uh, this will be this could be a big statement win for Ohio State if they're able to go on the road and get it done. Uh, maybe get that uh, monkey off their back in uh, all these consistent big game losses. So they're going to be I mean, I know they're going to be motivated. Uh, it would be a big win for him, but it would also be a big win for Notre Dame in proving right. that this is a different team than years past. So both teams have a lot to prove in this game. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I like Notre Dame in a close one.
0: Well, there you have it folks. We just covered a ton of college football and we've got a lot to look forward to this week. A great slate of games And uh, stay tuned. We'll see uh, whose predictions turn out right. Uh, Garrett and I went against one another in Alabama and Ole Miss and Florida State and Clemson. So we'll see how that tallies out. But all in all, we just talked about a lot of college football. So good to have it back. And uh, we look forward to watching these games with you this weekend. Stay tuned next week as we might actually have a beat writer from Colorado joining us for an interview. And uh, stay tuned as we're going to continue to try to get more interviews scheduled throughout the year. And before we sign off, I just want to say, remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. And you can find us on Google Podcasts and social media. we got Facebook and Twitter soon to come. For my co-host, Garrett Thigpen, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your guys' day